Hello, all you listeners out there, and welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. Today, I will be your host, and I am going over Andrew's uh, recap of his 2020 whitetail season. It's a doozy. has a lot of content in there, and might be a little tricky to follow, but I'll do my best to keep it uh, singular focused. It's definitely an emotional roller coaster, we'll say that. It was the most successful season of my life. I think I've went from a novice bow hunter to uh, a veteran bow hunter. Yeah, I mean, you seem like you, as far as any hunter goes, you're learning new things as you go through the season. But coming into this 2020 season and the circumstances that we had with this epidemic, what were your goals coming into this 2020 season? Well, I'm from the hunting school of Fecto. So we have some similar goals. First goal, getting deer in the freezer. I wanted to harvest three deer this year. Not only did I want to harvest three deer, I wanted to harvest a shooter buck, which I haven't done at all. I've shot multiple spikes, crotch horns, does, what have you. Nothing worthy of the wall. No, but I would say that you've definitely had not necessarily opportunities per se, but You've seen deer in the woods, and you'll you'll talk about those later on your in your episode. But yeah, definitely this year I had multiple opportunities. Well, sightings. Some were opportunities. Some were just sightings. I mean, I have a very different approach, similar but different approach to you. I mean, I am hunting public land up by school in Bangor, so. It's just a different approach. I'm using my bow. It's expanded archery. I'm not really carrying. I didn't carry my rifle all year. I was going to say, this man did not touch a rifle all first, year. First time ever, which is... That's a pretty big accomplishment. I, so. I mean, we'll get into it here, but I had another goal this year, which is I wanted to call in a deer, have it be grunt, bleat, uh, rattling. I just wanted to have a deer come into a sound that I made. Not just a scent, which I've had multiple times, but a call, which you talked about in your pod we uh or you grunted in a couple deer this year so i kind of wanted to do that this year and on top of that i wanted to be a very mobile bow hunter to do that i got a saddle it's a hybrid saddle so it's not exactly like you're tethered or all the just skimpy ropes and just a harness but it allowed me to be way more mobile as you get more mobile, let's, you know, you know, you're buying this new equipment and we, we would both agree on this, that buying this new equipment doesn't guarantee you a deer. That doesn't guarantee you meat in the freezer. The work, the hard work still has to go into that. As we both know, between the two of us, this is probably the, the season that where we spent the most money. Oh my God. I mean, for being in college, you don't really have the funds that you wish you had. And I see a lot of things in the stores that I want. And this year, I still spent quite a bit of money, you know, getting climbing sticks, uh, a saddle, uh, ozone device, plus all my scent killers and other scents. But it doesn't really mean jack until you're <laughs> until you're in the woods and you're scouting. So you know, you got to get used to your equipment in the preseason. You got to shoot from your saddle. You got to do all these different things. But for me, what makes me a lot different from you is I'm hunting public land, like I said, up near my school in the greater Bangor area. So I got pretty familiar with my two spots. I would say I had uh, spot A. Spot A is highly pressured. 
You go to the town office, you buy a permit, anyone can be there. There's no cap. There's uh, people running, biking, hiking, ROTC, running through the woods, doing training drills. Recreating. Yes, recreating. (laughs) You know, college students being college students. Then I had spot B. It was a little more, it's public, but you have to do a little more to get access to it. And you don't have access all season. Expanded goes from September to December. Spot B plays a role later on in this podcast, and we'll get into it. But right now, we're going to focus on spot A and what I had to do to find my spot and my success at spot A, which I had previous experience at for one season. Let me emphasize this point. You were hunting literally almost all over the state. Yes. I Northern actually, Maine, Central Maine. Yes, yes. I mean, you were all over the place. I mean, my f- hunting focused around school because I'm an engineering student. I can't just go where I want. I don't have the free time like some other people. But I hunted around school, around home with you, Southern Maine. Like, I go all over. I'm My car is a, a hunting caravan, you could say. <laughs> you know, I'm just going where the wind takes me on some weekends like a fart in the wind yep very exactly nice. coming into this season i've kind of and I'll, I'll kind of put you on spot here i've taken you kind of under my wing over the oh, years that's just an understatement i would say that i would have to give my stepfather all the credit in the world for getting me into the outdoors world including my mom can't forget her you know, she got me into fishing al got me into hunting but four years ago i was just kind of going out in the woods with a rifle uh, that's it yeah. I, that's yep i wasn't like scouting much i don't know where to put my trail cams i don't know what a run is i don't i don't see the punches in the leaves like you showed me you've really taken me to the next level and i've kind of ran with it in my own direction so like that's where you're going to see the biggest difference is you take me I do some of the things that you do, but then I just go beyond to the next level, which is where I see my expanded archery hunting and my bow hunting. Precision. Yes. I would say, like, I'm accurate, but you are more precise on not just shooting. You're talking about technique, execution of your plan. You are to the T precise. Well, that's a compliment and a half. I mean, I try. (laughs) I do like to challenge myself a little bit, too, like, you like filling the freezer, and I do too, but I also enjoy a challenge. It's just in me. It's why I kind of really got addicted to bow hunting and archery hunting. It's just a whole challenge. But I know if we want to get into it, I mean, right now we're just talking about the hypothetical hunting. Yeah. Let's get into the real deal. So yes. at spot A, highly, highly, and I can't stress it enough, highly pressured, a lot of traffic. It's a big like rectangle lands nothing more to it right near my school so anyone can hunt there you just go to town office get a permit if you had to estimate what would be like the acreage of it um over 100 maybe like 150 acres i mean it's a good chunk and what about the topography is it elevated Uh, is it ridgy is it flat it's pretty flat other than a couple notable like wetland swamps i wouldn't say they're quite swamps but it's like you're gonna get the puddles constantly even when it's a drought there's gonna be wet spots but hemlock pines hemlock and pines dominate this land so finding my spot is i would say the hardest part about public land hunting what you have to do is you have to focus on multiple factors 
fresh sign and where the hunting pressure is. Those two things really just control the deer movement to the nth degree. So I have, I've seen over 15 trucks parked in the lot before. So when I say hunting pressure, I mean, there is hunting pressure and you got people running, biking, like I said already. So you have to find pockets where the deer are. So that's where you have to take hunting pressure, where the people are hunting and fresh sign and mesh them. And then you find these weird holes where deer are going to travel. And what I found was the deer are going to go right where the hunt, uh, not the hunters, but the runners and the bikes and hikers, recreationalists, (laughs) they're going to go right next to them because other deer hunters aren't thinking that way. And that worked to my advantage. So first day I went out, I saw a deer. I mean, they were off in the distance, but came across the running trail. I'm set up just off the running trail, and they're just darting along the running trail. I'm like, noted. That was a big piece of information that dictated the entire season. Nice. So, I mean, coming into this spot, you're talking about spot A, and coming into the early season, what did you, you saw them run up the, the, the trail there. Was there anything that you, you know, any buck sign or anything like that that you noted? So the previous season, I wasted a whole month of not seeing anything. And I was just... Talk about a lull. Yeah, it was a <laughs> lull. Like, I I mean, I would walk out, and I would go in the middle of the woods, and I would sit up. And I had a cool spot. I mean, I sent you the snaps. You said it looked pretty good. I thought it looked great. I was jealous. But you don't see shit. So what crazy. I learned was... It's not always about going in there and getting into the middle of the woods. Fresh sign and where the hunting pressure is, and it makes pockets. And you just have to think, like, all right, if I'm a deer, I want to be where it's safe. At the latter end of uh, 2019, I figured out that these deer were just using these running trails. So that's why I already started my search right around there, and then I could pinpoint myself with my mobile setup, which helped me greatly. Were there any spots in your area that uh, you kind of overlooked? Did you kind of like kick it to the curb or was there any spot in particular that you were like, man, I wish I could hunt there or? That's kind of where I shot all my deer. Ah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get into it. Like sometimes you make it a little too complicated. I mean, everyone does it. You put too much thought into it. When you're hunting public land, 15 yards makes a difference in my opinion. First day, I'm sitting in a slightly different location as my killing spot, and I see the deer come in where they, I knew they came in last year, and it's right by this tree that I picked out last year. I'm like, oh, I should have sat that tree that I picked out last year. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like not overcomplicating it. Like if something looks good, it must be good. And if you know, you know. Hunter instinct. I mean, when you saw that deer in that particular area, and you were like, man, there's another one over there. Do you ever like get to a point where you're like you're discouraged or you get down on yourself? Like, how do you overcome that that uh, mentality as a as a hunter for well, you? Well, I'm kind of a perfectionist. I mean, no, I'm, I am. <laughs> I am in engineering. I like doing things right, and I like being successful. And it's like very frustrating. The first day I go out, see three does, and it's like, oh man. 15 yards that way and I would have had a shot at them but you know they're like 65 yards away or what have you I don't really remember the exact yardage but if I just tweak this tweak that and I was overthinking it and you just got to remind yourself they're gonna come back 
the other hunters aren't thinking the same way. You have to put yourself in a position where you might be hunting around someone that's 60 yards away, but that's to your advantage because a deer are going to know that, oh, if this person walked in a little deeper, so we should hug this way, and then you're there. You sneak in right off the running trail, and they're not going to scent you. They're not going to cross your trail because, I mean, my entry and exit for this spot was amazing. Like Textbook. The deer would not cross where I walked in. So everything was in front of me when I got to my tree, and it was perfect for the entire season. Now, as you're walking in, take me through when you enter the woods procedurally. And I would give me the brief SparkNote version of this. But if you were to enter into the woods as you're walking through the woods, you know, what are you doing? Okay. As you're walking to your tree stand and what's your strategy as you get to your, as you get to your tree stand? Well, spot A and spot B are kind of different. Spot B was like, um, I'm going to climb Everest. Like there was a huge hike involved. Spot A was still a hike, but, you know, you park. You, I completely keep everything in my car in totes. And, you know, I take scenting, scent elimination to uh, the next level. I mean, you do the same as me, but, you know, other hunters are wearing their camel in their truck. I'm not doing that. We laugh at that. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> they're going to smell you a mile away. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but. They're going to smell like that little green Christmas tree in their truck. <laughs> yeah, really. So I... You know, I put everything in totes. I put my saddle, sticks, everything in totes. I, you know, I change up at my spot outside. And, you know, I have a three quarters of a mile. Not, eh, it's more than a half a mile at this spot to get into my location. And I'm walking on running trails, so. That's nice. That's I don't quiet. have to be, I don't have to be quiet. Right. The deer are used to it. You can just walk. I they can, don't. I they, can run. People keep, are on their bikes at midnight. I'm not even kidding you. It'll be 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and you'll see just a light going through the trails. I'm like, dang. The deer are just used to the movement through there because you're right. I'm right by my school, and it's just constant activity, night or day, and it's crazy to actually think about. So it's not like when I'm at your spot and I have to be really careful about the leaves crunching and all that. I'm just on a running trail. I can just blitz right into my spot and my spot's a little bit off the running trail and boom, I'm in. So how much scouting did you do as you were walking in versus like scouting outside? Like maybe on like a Sunday afternoon, you go in and check your cameras and stuff. Like what percentage of scouting was you walking into the woods? Uh, man, I, I would say this one game camera pick can dictate everything. One pick. Do you agree with that? Should it? dictate yes it should because i kill deer (laughs) so what i was getting at is this is high pressured land i'm not going to get 300 photos in a pole Mm -hmm. you know i get anywheres between five to 40 let's say so one photo can change everything because a lot of nocturnal movement but if i get one 8 a.m photo i'm like and it's recent like day two days three days i'm hunting mornings i'm going in yep totally changes my my strategy i would say with the cameras what your cameras see isn't everything i mean i think that's one thing that we can pull from this year is that you might get a few pictures here and there but that doesn't mean that there's deer behind your camera that's a possibility or your camera doesn't get it i mean or a tree falls in front of your camera i had that happen (laughs) one thing that i would note with you in particular you hike in and when you hike in 
you did a lot of this this year. When you hike in, you layer up, meaning, or layer down, I should say. Yeah, I go in naked. <laughs> Practically. I mean, I'm, I mean, I get cold easy. It's kind of an issue when you have to hike in like a half mile or at my other spots, almost a full mile, and I'm sweating, and I take scent control to the next level. It's kind of imperative that I don't sweat on the way in. I'd be stripping down to a t-shirt and just my jean camo pants, whatever you want to say, my first layer of camo. And then when I get there, off the running trail, I would layer up, and then I only have like 30 yards on my, my tree, so kind of makes a big difference so let me put you on the spot right now okay some of our listeners might say okay well you're hunting a highly populated area you're hunting an area where you're having hikers bikers you know all these people you know running the trails even hunters going in here why would you do your scent elimination to the t if it is already sent in the woods what's the point of that well I think you are putting yourself in a position where the deer are and the people aren't. I mean, yeah, the deer are right near a running trail, but they can scent like they can smell the difference in 30 yards. And I mean, this year I didn't get blown out once, and I, I'll take that as a victory. Last year, multiple times, you know, deer's come behind me. Oh, they they know I'm there, and I'm only feet off the running trail. They still know. They still know when something's up. So I wouldn't put it past them. So you're saying proximity? Yes. Gotcha. Like when, when they're getting in close, they're still wary. Like, yeah, they wait for a runner to go by. But if they constantly are smelling something, it's like, oh, that danger's close. So you want to prevent them from being on high alert. Yeah. I, I want them coming in calm, cool, and collected. Okay. Now I want to get to the nitty-gritty, okay? Let's go over your first encounter here. Let's Let's talk about, you know— Deer are few and far between, as you're seeing on camera and in person. But let's talk about that first encounter that you had. Like I said on the last podcast, you know, I kill deer in the morning when it's nice and cool. <laughs> Especially when it's like early October. It's Religiously. Just, yes, it's really most, the majority of my deer AM kills. I, just by luck, I hunt the, the evening as much as I do the morning. I don't know why. We just know when I wake up and it's... It's cool. It's like you get a little cold front. It's still going to be sunny. Maybe it's a little foggy. Uh, there's dew on the grass, maybe a little frost sometimes, but you just know. I'm always driving to work, and I'm like, oh, man, it, it's a oh, it's a good morning. It's like and a killing I, morning. Oh, I, I always want to text you, and I'm like, I can't because right now it's like perfect time, like 6.30, 6.45 as I'm driving into work, and I'm like restraining myself from just texting you. <laughs> So, I mean, this hunt didn't last too long, which is nice. So the deer comes to my right, and I shoot righty. So it's kind of a pain to shoot to my right because my bow would have to swing all the way around. Can't really reach it. But like we said last uh, podcast, this deer just locked onto me and just stared into (laughs) my soul. And I will say it again. I said it last podcast. Into my soul. And I'm just like, all right, don't move. Like, I can't really do anything right now. And what was awesome is he hit a scrape right there. He, like, looked at me. He was like, oh, no danger. And just hit a scrape and hitting the licking branch. I was like, damn, I haven't seen that before. I couldn't see antlers. It's that early. I mean, it's 15 minutes after 
legal shooting time. So still a little dark, especially coming from my right. There's a lot of hemlocks. So then I kind of know what Rennie's on already because I, I scout my area pretty well. And I'm just waiting for him to kind of go behind these smaller hemlocks. I can adjust myself, get my uh, my bow in hand, still on the hanger. He comes around. He starts going broadside, 12 o'clock in front of me. And I draw back, bleed at him, which is the first time I did it. Kind of felt cool. And I don't say this often. I would never say it in the moment, but when I pulled my trigger oh my god it felt good and i just knew i killed it instantly i knew it was a dead deer i just had the feeling i saw the arrow hit made the nice slap and it took off in the moment i'm like it's a dead deer i could just know it it was a clean shot i waited 30 minutes to make a few like silent phone calls yeah you have to make those i call you and uh I get down after half an hour, get there, my arrow's just covered, blood everywhere. It's just like a paint thrown. It was the easiest track ever. Get to it. It's a tiny little six-pointer. Six-pointer with quotations in my hands. You know, it's like a crotch with little, like, brow ties. <laughs> Take it as a dub. You, you know, you have to because at that point, I'm not going to lie to you, when you sent me pictures of that, I went, son of a bitch. Like, he's up on me. He's he's that step ahead of me, and you put the pressure back on me, and I was like, God damn it! It's so funny because like you're viewing it as me versus you, and I'm just like, I gotta do. Oh yeah, go. oh yeah. But like in the moment, in the season, I'm always like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, freaking a, like he's up, he's up. Like, and that's kind of like it's not a competition. It's not. Let's get that out of the out of the way now. But it it's pressure that I I enjoy and I welcome because. It only makes me that much better in my element. You know, you do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing. But when you when you put meat in the freezer, I'm like, oh baby. Yeah, I know. It's getting the monkey off your back, like I said last time. It's it's a nice feeling. Like the year before, hunting was a little slow, slower than this year. But this year had its low moments that I have to cover because. I record every hunt. I just make a little blurb on my phone saying what I did, wind direction, where I'm hunting. And then I just grade my sit. Like, did I get in quiet? Did I get out quietly? You know, is everything good? So, Which is hard to do because if you're doing that religiously, yeah, it might only take five minutes. But, like, you, those are things you can look back on to say, I saw this buck on this day a couple weeks from now, similar conditions, interesting. Should I sit this spot? Should I sit a different spot? So, like, I'm still mobile at spot A. Like, I am still moving trees, and I have cameras. But, you know, I, I shot that buck, and then it just went radio silent. I felt like I felt like I, I don't know where the deer went. The October low. Yeah, base, that's what we got into. It was like a week and a half where I couldn't, like, even a squirrel. Like, a squirrel. I couldn't even find one. Couldn't find anything. It was well, we dead. couldn't find one today either. But. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't, I'm not getting started on that. But when you're getting into this lull, you got to keep grinding away, finding where the deer are because they're out there. I mean, I know there's deer out there. I go on runs and I'll see. Uh, I was just going to ask you, so how do you do that? How do you scout during that lull? Like, what do you do? Are you branching out? Are you going to different territories where you're like, haven't been here before. Maybe they're over here. 
So on your runs, I mean, what are you noticing? Well, firstly, on my runs, I just I see deer. I'm running on these trails, so I see them. I know where I see them cross, and I'm not. I am not exaggerating. Over 20 deer on the run, and it's not like they're all herded up. And I am not kidding. People are gonna be like, "Oh, that's bullshit." No, not at all. If you run around this area, there's just so many deer because it's all protected by the university, so you can't like get on it. They know it. They're safe. But when you see them cross in different locations on the running trail, it's like, ah. All right, I see you're up 100 yards up there, and I know there's a little pocket where people aren't hunting. So, you know, you make these adjustments and you put yourself in the position to make a kill. So, you know, discussing those the scouting methods that you did, was there anything that you were particularly concerned about coming into this 2020 season? Because you're bouncing around all over the place. Was there anything in particular that you were, like, kind of red flagging or, like, cautious of? Well, like I just said, I make notes of those recent encounters, the freshest sign. You got to make sure you're on top of where the deer are adapting to because they're always going to be making changes on you. And if you're not adapting on the fly, you're going to be hung out to dry like I was last year. Mm. You mean like going to a religious like spot in particular like if you're not seeing deer there mix it up go to a different spot yes exactly basically what i'm getting at because if you're sending the same stand and you ain't seeing shit why are you hunting there like it's like when i'm fishing and i'm casting in the same spot i don't get it people are on their dock and they're casting the same direction and they're ca- not catching <laughs> shit it's like well there's no fish over there i always i heard from a fish biologist once like if you make five casts and you don't get a bite Move the fuck on. Yes, your first cast is the best cast. And <laughs> same with your tree. Your first sit is your best sit. Let's, uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Let's get into it. So we've, we mentioned something from the previous episode, you know, when I shot my doe in the expand zone and it was right around legal time and I had, you know, does all around me still and people were like, why wouldn't you throw another arrow? Like... And we kind of chuckled about that as an inside joke. This is where the counterpunch comes into play. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about a right hook right now. <laughs> so, okay, you got a kill under your belt, okay? We went through the October lull. Let's went, make that clear. <laughs> went through the lull of just seeing jack shit, okay? Now you're coming into, I mean, what what? where are we at? Late October right now? Uh, I would still say it was mid-October. Mid to late October? It was like the 18th, Okay, I remember rightly. Let's talk about your next close encounter of your of your hunting season. Close is an understatement. Very, very well understated, yes. But let's talk about this. So, I remember vividly, I was like, oh, it's kind of warm. I don't know if I want to go out, but whatever. We'll go out. It's 65 and it's middle October, so you're not really liking that temperature. I got some recent pictures in a different location, so I adjusted my setup into a new tree. I get up into the tree, and I have a whole routine, like I said. I When I hike in, I put my layers on, then I climb up. I got my ozone device I got to put in. I got my bow hanger, all this gear I got to take care of. And then I put my mask and gloves on, and I put my glasses back on. I get up there. Get my ozone device into the tree. My bow is up. I knock it. I always do that. It's one of, like, what if? What if? And good thing I did. Because I take my hat off. I always wear a baseball cap. 
put my mask on, put my glasses on. Don't even have my hat on. I hear crunch right to my left. I'm like, oh, baby. I, I just know the crunch of a twig or leaves. It's just code red, code yes, red. It's code red. Grab my bow quickly. I don't know how, like quickly, but silently and stealthily. And there's a doe at five yards. I mean, it was a gimme. Complete oblivious. Oh, looking the other way. Drill it. Definition <laughs> of drill it. I'm like, all right, that thing's dead. Pick up my phone. Call you. Call me. I, I think I was in the tree stand. Yes. I was in the tree stand hunt, and I'm like, and you're like, I got, I got, I got. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's awesome. I'm like, how big is it? How big is it? And you're like, there's nothing. I'm like, hello. 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 But the phone is still like, it's still working. Like, he didn't hang up on me. It's still recording. I'm like, maybe he lost service. So I hung up. So when you're doing all that little spiel, I have, I put my phone back down because I hear something. And there's another doe. All right. So now I put the phone between my legs. I twist a little bit, knock up again. And the doe is like looking the other way. And it's about to start walking. And I bleed at it. Stops it. Quartering away, seven yards, drilled. <laughs> and I mean, this one, the best shot I've ever done. Double lung, some heart, didn't run far. No. And then, to make a long story short, I mean, I found both deer, and it was a long night. A lot of dragging, a lot of meat. By yourself. By myself. We're kind of out there. We're not really near my car, but it was a great memory. It was amazing. I mean, that is something that you have done multiple times now that I haven't, bleeding at a deer before you shoot it. And that's kind of like one of those like debatable things that people talk about, you know, should you, should you bleed? Should you not bleed? I mean, at that, at that yardage of five, seven yards, hell yeah, that arrow takes fraction of a second to get to that deer. But if you're shooting like 30, 40 yards... Would you still bleed at a deer? I would always bleed at a deer. I mean, the first one I shot this year, the the little buck, that was 27 yards. 27, yeah. I, I don't think I would have gotten it if I didn't bleed. Interesting. I mean, it really makes a big difference. And if you, if you just make it halfway decent, I don't really think it's going to make them scared and run off. They're going to be more confused more than anything. The first one I bleeded at the buck, I, when I had bleeded, my throat was full of phlegm. <laughs> yeah, and then I did it again, and it didn't move. I mean, as long as you're not freaking yelling at it, then I think you're all set there. But bleeding at a deer is really going to help you set up your shot. You know they're going to be still long enough for you to do your quick checklist while you're pulling the trigger. I think this is a great opportunity for, for, for me as your friend to make my formal apology. Yes, you owe me more than ever. So let me get this straight for all you listeners. Oh, I call him after I get two second deer. Call. Second call. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, the second call. I'm just all jacked up, and I'm excited. I'm like, I got two. And then you just hit me with a question. I, are you done? Are you done hunting? I'm like, well, no, I'm not done hunting, but let's celebrate right now. And then you just keep drilling into me. I'm like, we're supposed to be celebrating right now. What is going on? You were so pissed. I think my question to you was, yeah, are you still going to hunt? You're like, no, full throttle, baby. Keep going. Let's go. And I was like, 
why? And you were like, what? And just fire of like from hell just <laughs> in yeah, your eyes. That was a little frustrating, but now it's very funny to look back upon. Oh, so there was probably like, you can count on one hand how many times you've probably been like pissed at me. And this was definitely number one. Yes, number one, and I've only been pissed <laughs> twice. I can't even think of another time. Even when, you know, you have a Tom at 40 yards, and it's 10 minutes into the day, and you shoot and you miss. And I'm like, all right, like, you could have waited for him to come in a little bit, but whatever. But to recap quickly, I did get a bird that day. Yes. So if I didn't, though, that would have been number three probably. I wouldn't have been that pissed. I have a good time when I'm taking I want to make one thing clear before we move on to the next topic. So at this point, I have three deer harvested. Three. 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 So I hit a goal. However, I document every deer I see on this little, like, notes I have, and I only have seen seven deer to that point. So Mm. almost 50% of the deer I'm seeing, I've killed. Almost. Roughly. So it's just a testament to say, you know, you're going to go through a lull, and you're not going to see a lot, but to make the most of your opportunities. Like, the the other three that I saw on the first day... They weren't in range. It wasn't a real opportunity, but I'm seeing deer. But then I'm going through huge lulls, and, you know, you take what's given to you. And when you're in a spot that's difficult, you just kind of have to make it work. And making small adjustments like I've been talking about is the key to filling your freezer. And that's what I was doing until this point was I was just trying to get deer down on the ground. I mean, you're also hunting an expanded spot, so, like, if it's brown— it's, it's down. down. Anything is a green light special. Yeah. So, you know, looking back at that, I'm going to say again, I am sorry. I appreciate it. I, I formally apologize for my actions and uh, my questions, but we can move on from that. Yep. So let's get into the climatic part of everybody's season, you know, coming into coming into that rut. Okay. That pre rut. What are your, what are your tactics coming into that season? What are you doing? So this is when spot B comes into play. Ooh. So I get, I have like access to this property. It is public. It's just a few more hoops to get through to get access to. But yeah, I apply for the second half of the season to be able to hunt it. So I gain access to this property end of October. After I get the double kill, I take a week off. You know, I have a bunch of homework. It's like a a little spur of exams I have to do, so it was kind of perfect timing, if you will. Should have done that during the October lull. Yeah, <laughs> but who? you never know when that's going to happen. Then you get the double kill, so, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say about that. However, back to what I was getting at, spot B, it's like my spot, I would say. Like, it just has bucks on it. I want to hunt it. <laughs> it's It's a pretty good spot, I'm not going to lie. So there was a lot of activity I had on it, and what I happened to come across was a scrape. I put my camera right on a scrape without really realizing it because it was mossy, and I didn't really see them, like, dig it up. Yep. But after a snowstorm, I'm like, oh, it's kind of clear right here what's going on. And then I check my camera, and I'm getting bucks hitting this scrape. So This man is sending me, like, you know, he talks to me about, oh, you got wall hangers. You, got... you had wall hangers. Yes. Not just one. You were like, oh, at one point you were like, I have five bucks. I'm like, what? I I said, where are the pictures? Send me this stuff. Come on. I had anywhere between like tall 10 pointers to like 
mainframe six pointer. And I mean, like a beautiful six pointer without a brow ties. I was like, Oh, if I got that, that'd just be so nice. Bunch of little bucks too. does. I mean, hunting scrapes. I just learned this year. And I know some of you are going to be like, Oh, how did you not know this? But you're getting so much activity right there and you're going to be near a high traffic area. It's just like a light bulb came on. I'm still learning. You know, I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional. I'm not shooting big bucks every year. I'm trying to shoot my first. So mm-hmm. I took this as a learning moment. I'm going to set up on near the scrape. I know that once rut hits, they're not going to be hitting the scrape as much, but I'm going to be in a high traffic area where bucks are going to be like, Oh, what, what, I smell that over there and hit that scrape or, does even hit the scrape i mean it's pretty interesting having a camera on a scrape what you'll see there's a lot of activity that you might miss out on so were you hunting around that scrape yeah i was 15 yards off it you have to walk over the the run that goes right by my stand there and you have the scrape right there but it also works to my advantage because if i put a buck sent out i'm right on a scrape and it's way more realistic at this point especially with pre-rut going on but you know i only have access to this spot when rut hits so that's why I'm throwing estrus out quite a bit. Mm. I would say like the scrape is almost like a uh, what's you know when you go to a log cabin and they're always like oh fill out the log of like who is here. Yep, yep. I feel like that's what the the buck scrape is. It literally is. It's just a hub for communication. Like oh I've been here, and then they another one comes by. And it's like oh you've been here. Now I've been here. Right. Like, this is my turf now. All right. So let's go over your your first miss and the, you. You had your first miss with a buck that you call Hammerhead. Run me through this whole this whole situation, this whole scenario. So one of the bucks I named was Hammerhead. He's like a white, a wide six or seven point. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't really want to remember. I kind of <laughs> want to forget it. But November 8th, we're into rut now. I went through a, actually a little lull that week. I didn't see some, anything for six days, roughly, five days. And I'm hunting religiously twice a day every day i can six days a week like doing everything i can doing my doing my thing got estrus out did a little drag sent drag in you know i spray my boots down like i'll count that as a drag and i spray some twigs on the way in with estrus and it's my killing time 6 45 7 o'clock and hammerheads coming in from my left and he's barreling ass. Well, not barreling ass, but he's on the trot. He's on the move. He, his nose is on the ground. He's panting, and he can smell the estrus. From left to right, he's going so fast. By the time I can do much, he's already to my right side. So then I'm swinging around the tree, bow in hand, knocked up, ready to go. He gets to 30 yards after I bleed at him. So he stops at 30 yards when I bleed at him. He's courting away. I have to take a lightning fast shot and I miss low. And I knew I missed immediately. Unlike the first year I shot, when I pulled the trigger, I was like, fuck. <laughs> Just like instant. That was so <laughs> shitty. Horrible. Terrible. Right below him. And. You know, when you know, when you know, you know, and he takes a f- like a few hops, looks back and he's like, you loser, you're a freaking idiot. What are you doing? Go home. And then he runs out of my life forever. I just remember him texting me and being like, dude, shot buck. 
and it was this buck. And he sends me a picture of this, like, you know, debatably wall hanger. I'll, and we'll, Debatable. Debatable. You know, his rack was a little fucked up, and we're like, eh, maybe not on the wall. But, I mean, as far as volume, he was there. I mean, for me, it would have checked the box as in I shot a buck. Hell a mature yeah. buck. Oh, yeah. I would definitely check that box for you. But I... I'm like, get down, get down on the tree stand, you know, check for blood, look for blood. He's like, I missed. I'm like, dude, you don't know that until you get down and check. You're like, are you, are you sure? Are you being ethically right or something? I'm like, <laughs> I fucking know. You don't need to fucking tell me right now. I'm already pissed off enough and I, not in my stomach, not in my stomach. Immediately go to Dick's, buy a target and start shooting it. And lo and behold, not only am I missing, but my bow is a little out of whack. Missing low. Missing low. And that's, I mean, you're one of those hunters that you always shoot before you go in the woods. Yeah, well, now I am. So it's important to do that because then you're able to see what's going on with your bow. Like if something messes up, you'd rather have it mess up outside the woods than in the woods. Yep, I mean, I got a new target, recited in, got my routine down again, and I was shooting great, and every time I would just do a short little volley and then head in the woods. And it was perfect because each place that I hunt, you have a little area to shoot. So I was able to shoot a little bit every time I went out and it built a little confidence that when the next opportunity arises, that I'll be ready for it. Yeah. I mean, he, when he was, (laughs) when he was down on himself and he was all pissed off, I'm like, dude, I've been there (laughs) many, many times. I know the feeling. But I'll say one thing, and I said it then. If there was one buck out of that whole group to miss, you've seen the pictures. Yes, I agree. It was the one to miss. Even though uh, I don't really care, I would still take it right now in a heartbeat. But if we're going to look back and find any silver lining, any, it's that it was definitely the worst out of the group. Yes, I would agree with that statement. So moving forward. You have the October lull. Did you have November lulls? So I think a lot of people run into this where you have like spurs of rut activity where, you know, a a buck's going to get locked down with a doe and you're not going to see anything for a couple days. And then you're going to have a spur where you see bucks. And I mean, I'm going out twice a day, every day, rain or shine, snow or shine, 75 degrees or not. I'm going out, and I'm seeing shooter bucks. The man is grinding. Putting in the hours. And I texted every time. I saw a six-pointer. Oh, I saw this buck. Oh, I saw that buck. All of them, like, 75 yards away, 50 yards away, trotting from left to right, blah, blah, blah. Nothing in bow range, though, because I'm still hunting expanded. With a bow. With a bow. And... First time ever, my rifles were never touched. It's crazy. So, I mean, coming into, you know, late November, kind of mid to late November, were you at least seeing some of these target bucks that you were getting? Or Yeah, so, like I said, I was seeing bucks when I was going out. It would just be spurs where I would be like, oh, two days in a row, I'm getting bucks on cam, I'm getting eyes on bucks. Morning or night? Both, anything. Well, I should say evening. Yeah, evening. I'm seeing them, you know, sporadically. I go through little lulls, and then I have a peak, and I see a bunch of stuff, but then it lulls again, and this 
that's kind of how my November went in a nutshell. My my rut was a little disappointing in the fact that I couldn't have another opportunity to shoot at one. I, I let does pass at 10 yards. I mean, I'm not going to shoot another doe with three deer. I'm like, in a sense, trophy hunting. I mean, I'm I'm going to still eat it. Right, right. But right. I, I want the hardware. Yeah, of course. I mean, I gave you shit, you know, early in the season for taking two, but it's like I, I essentially kind of did the same thing. Like, I got two deer in the freezer, and then I hunted for my, my wall hanger, my trophy. Yep, so I was doing the same thing. I just happened to get the double. If I only got a single there, I would still be taking the same approach. You, you, yeah, for sure. But, you know, if you only had two deer, you'd have a little bit of pressure on your shoulders. I wouldn't say there was any pressure because I just view it differently than you. I mean, I had three deer, but the the goals I had were harvest three deer. And then, like, a sub-goal was to get a shooter. Mm. So, I mean, I don't have a family to feed. It's just me. I'm not really, like, providing for other people. I mean, I do give it some to my friends, you know, cook for my friends. I give some to my grandmother or whatnot. But I'm not, like, needing the meat. I'm I'm hunting for a challenge. I'm hunting to enjoy it. I'm trying to just get out there. Okay, now let's get into your your post rut, and this is this is getting around the time of if you're a rifle hunter, if you haven't gotten a deer by now as a rifle hunter in post rut. Eh. Well, you're right now. You're pulling out the muzzle loader, right? It, pressure is freaking on, baby. If you're a rifle hunter, but the man sticks to the expanded zone. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just going out, and I'm. I know deep down, am I going to shoot a shooter? Probably not. Maybe second rut will kick in. I'll get a little activity, but I'm going out. I'm not going out every day, twice a day. Going out when it's nice, enjoying it. Selective. Yeah, I mean, it's like early season. Like I'm not going out every day in early season when it's 90 degrees humid and 15-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, what are you doing? Uh, there was one time, I think you sent me pictures of this, but there was at one point, the man was like a freaking snowman in the tree. That you, was, that was November, early November. We had that weird snowstorm. Oh my God. You sent me pictures and your bow was like caked with snow. You could, you had like white camo on at that point. It was horrible. It was terrible, but oh. it's rut. That was rut. So I'm, I am grinding. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But when post rut hits, you know, I'm just enjoying it. And to quickly sum up my last hunt, you know, I try to end my season on a high note. I always do that. And it must have been like Mother Nature just throwing me a bone a little bit. Like a teaser, actually. When when was this? Uh, this was like the last week. Last week for sure. It wasn't the last day. I think it was December 9th or something. I mean, I... I Got done a few days early. School was getting hectic. I was like, this is the last day. If I were to shoot something, I would have the time to handle it. And 15 minutes left of shooting light. I hear trotting up ahead. I know it's a deer, so I get ready. And this was the probably the biggest buck I had. No, it was the biggest buck I had on camera. I was going to say, yeah, for sure. Because when you called me, you could just tell in the tone of your voice, you're like, dude, I just saw the biggest buck of my entire life. I know. I was trying to make sure that you knew what I was talking Not just saying, oh, you got a little six-pointer. That's so big. No, this was like. Wall hanger. Yeah, this is like ace. Like big buck. Big boy. 
running right at me, right at my 12 o'clock. And, and, you know, I swing around the tree, I get ready. And by the time he's in my shooting lane, I, I bleed at him and he takes three more steps and stops right behind a thick hemlock at 15 yards. And I am not going to be the person to take a horrible shot. And I mean, when it's thick and nasty, you're, your arrow will deflect and you're going to hit its calf and then it's going to die in the woods. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I was giving him shit. I'm like, why didn't you take the shot? I just had to make it clear that it was very unethical <laughs> and I'm not going to do that. But last day and I, you know, massive buck. I'm excited. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, you're going to have your heart rate up when you see a doe. At the end of the season, I'm seeing this buck and I'm like calm as can be. Mm. It's just crazy. And, you know, I saw that deer, and I was like, you know, I have to end on this sit. Perfect way to cap my season off. And, you know, looking back, I only did one of my three major goals. I didn't call in a deer. I didn't get a shooter buck, but I did harvest three deer. But I was just about to say that. You had the most successful season you've had thus far. I know. It's it's hard to think about. I only did one-third of my goals. And, like, if you look at that, it looks disappointing. But I said at the beginning it was my most successful season ever. Three I mean, deer. Three deer with a bow. Yeah, I know. All expanded public land, which is really I'm proud of. Now, some people might be like, well, that's expanded. There's a lot of deer in that area. You don't understand how populated with people. I mean, people going in and out of this property. Uh, in and out of the property for bikers, hikers, runners, or hunters. I mean, there was a lot of pressure I was dealing with in it really you know hunting around school changed how i kind of looked at hunting in a way i mean i only started bow hunting in 2019 like i had a bow before then but i really started bow hunting got my first with a bow in 2019 and 2020 i'm up to five with my bow five deer wow in two years yeah with my bow so i'm i'm very happy about that but missing hammerhead has really lit a fire under my ass where I really want to get a mature buck. And when I say mature, it doesn't have to be like a perfect symmetrical 10-pointer or 8-pointer or what have you. A mature buck on public land with my bow. It's just something about the bow in my hand, I'm just way more satisfied. And I know you, you've struck the balance <laughs> of using a rifle a bow we've talked about you getting a crossbow maybe like yeah you, you use the means that you have i but i love a challenge and that's kind of where we differ where i'm not just only about blood on the ground i'm also about how i did it but i'm not like extremist i want to put it that way like, if i want to go rifle hunting with you i'm gonna fucking do it i'm not gonna hesitate yeah yeah for sure but i mean the fact that you just didn't touch a rifle that just I mean, it boggles my mind that you... I mean, I enjoyed what I did, and that my most opportunities allowed me to bow hunt, or I was dictated by that. But that's so, going to change in the near future here. But what I said stands is I would like to take a mature buck with my bow. With his bow? Yes. And I asked you this question, too. It was like three weeks ago, I think, I asked you. I said, do you think... If you had a rifle in your hand this season, if you hunted rifle, I would have had six of them. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even freaking kidding. I saw six shooters this year, and I told the out. man, I said, so if you, if you're if you could have gotten a wall hanger, let's be real, you would have gotten a wall hanger with your with your rifle. 
And people are like, you can't hunt rifle and expanded. No, that's we're not, not talking. It's a hypothetical. Right. Exactly. But if you could have put a rifle in your hand to get that goal. I don't want it. See, I say no. And you look at me. with my yes, mind. Yes, you're <laughs> mind scrambled eggs right now. I, I don't know, man. I just want to do it with my bow. Then I can be like, I, I don't know. I'm just like, it's just a challenge. I want it. I bring it on. You're crazy. Yep. You're crazy. Because, I, I folks, I have not, I've not shot a, a great, I wouldn't even say equivalent, like, your six-pointer is probably the biggest. Uh, I, don't, I think, yeah, I think that's about right, because I only remember you getting spikes. I just get, yeah, spikes. Because if I see, I mean, if I see anything with my bow, it's going down. Yeah, I mean, that's how I treat it up till late October. I mean, that, that spike, the crotchy that I missed in um, my expanded area, that would have been the biggest buck that I shot. For sure. With my and that would have been bigger with my, than mine. I mean, that one had like a more of a crotch to it. Like this six-pointer. and I quotation. a little six, though. I know, I know. But that crotch was definitely bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, we'll have to see what next year brings. So let's transition as you're going into the next season. Do you have high hopes? Like, All right, so... For you listeners out there, I'm a senior in mechanical engineering. I'm not going to be hunting the same spots. I have a totally new horizon in front of me, so I'm going to have to start from square one once again. Once I was up at school, I had to start from square one, and I'm going to have to do it again. I don't know where I'm going. You're talking about a challenge. That's a challenge. But when you walk into a new parcel that you have permission to, it's always exciting. You never know what's going to be there. I mean, I did not know all the bucks I was going to see at spot B until I was there. And I was like, holy moly, here we go. Like, there's an opportunity in front of me. But in the future, I mean, I didn't have to keep my cameras up. I pulled them immediately. I don't even know what's there next year. I'm not going to be there. I mean, it's always it will always be there. And I kind of know where to go. But I'm not saving the deer for me next year. I mean, it's public land. Like, if you had, a, you know maybe a weekend or, or something to, uh, not to burn, but like if you had an opportunity to go back up there, you know, maybe like early October, would you hunt it again? Just on a spur of a moment. I think I talked about this with you. I'm due for revenge. <laughs> I'm due. I mean, I am, I'm not going to forget. Did, might not be next year or the year after. Let me but just keep poking. Did you, did you get pictures of him again? No. Should have checked. No, I already did. I checked. My All arrow right. was clean. I'm not. I'm not kidding you, man. I still checked. I, I said I didn't, but I did. I walked over, and the arrow's just in the ground, a foot. They're traveling radius. You don't know either. They, you know, he could still be in the area, just not getting pictures of. I know. Him. I'm I mean, just giving you I only, shit. I only have one camera out there, so you're kind of limited in that regard. Because I'm all over the world here. I have a camera <laughs> up at. Up at school, I have two down at home. I got one over there, one over there, you know, running thin. So that's a wrap on Andrew's 2020 whitetail season uh, where he spent, I would say, all of his time in the expanded zone. Uh, so if you're a diehard bow hunter, great podcast to listen to. But, you know, we look forward to uh, have you guys listen to the next episode that we got for you. And as always, get in the woods. And get on the water.